0: Welcome, dear listener, to another blood-curdling installment of Chilling Suspense. I am, as always, your humble host, Chester Legree. I'm getting to it. Right, yes. We're going to be doing something different today, under the very, very insistent guidance of our manager... Please welcome Miss Margot McMillan, who some of you may know from such fine theatricals as the Varney Soap Company Drama Hour. Margot, it's a. Uh...
1: Pleasure? Honor?
0: Sure, one of those will do. Margot will be joining us, most likely temporarily, in response to some constructive criticism regarding my portrayal of certain characters. Now, as a classically trained actor, I know I'm more than capable of embodying any role, but... this is show business, and it will be... interesting to hear Miss McMillan in action.
1: Thank you for that exceedingly kind introduction, Chester. I'm just excited for the opportunity to try something new. And I'm sure your fans won't mind hearing a new voice, will they?
0: I guess we'll see when the fan mail comes in, won't we?
1: (laughs) I'm sure we will. I've always enjoyed hearing from the listeners of the Drama Hour, and have been more than happy to take their comments into consideration. I've had quite a few lengthy correspondences with some regular listeners over the years, and I'm always glad to talk to all of them.
0: Oh, yes, of course. All those fans, writing in all the time, it's... It's touching, really, yes.
1: The manager even wants me to promote chilling suspense over on the drama hour, and I'm really excited to see how many new fans I can bring over to this show. We're gonna have a lot of fun here. I just know it.
0: Oh, yes. So much fun. But now's not the time for fun, Margo. Now's the time for horror. As we return to... The Great Ghost. Since you're new here, I'll catch you up to speed. The Great Ghost is... Oh,
1: I read through the script already. Couldn't put it down, in fact.
0: Right. Well then... For any new listeners, then, The Great Ghost is the story of Father Martin Ward, a man of the cloth who dons his old service uniform and fights crime with mysterious phantasmal powers... And he's just run afoul of a ghostly woman and a monster that devours souls. Can Martin make it out alive? Or is he destined for oblivion? Let's find out, shall we? Even through my heavy uniform, The air in the basement was bitterly cold. My breath came out in heavy, cottony puffs. I'd help ghosts make rooms feel cold, but never like this. That's you, Margot.
1: Oh, right. Of course. This is your last chance, Mr. Ward. Marcy called out with obvious satisfaction. That little double life of yours is over. You can come along with us whole, or I can have my associates peel your worthless soul from that precious body. Then you'll come along with us in pieces.
0: I hate to break it to you, Mrs. Pratt, but I'm still using my body.
1: Not for long, I'm afraid, she said. With a sigh, she gestured to her beast, never turning her gaze away from me. Shuck him. Uh, what's this scribbled out part?
0: That is a part where the protagonist proceeded to tell Marcy to, and I quote, go shuck herself, which, might I add, is in a piece of fiction my editor paid for. I digress. The beast stepped forward, her staring eyes still unblinking. Anthony's disfigured form lay between us, and as she approached it, she began to wheeze, gulping at nothing as though she was struggling to breathe. She paused in the midst of stepping over him, wavering for a moment, and then stopped. Her spine never bent, her back unnaturally straight, as her knees folded beneath her, and she crouched there, panting and rattling as though she were tasting the air above him. Her neck craned, Dragging her into a precarious lean But even when it seemed like she might fall Her hands still never left her pockets Not even to right herself Something about that made me Uneasy She She looked like
1: some sick hound Not even human
0: Oh, so we're just reading anything now I thought it was a professional radio play
1: well, I figured, given your lack of enthusiasm, I would take a few more lines.
0: You'd like that, wouldn't you? No, I'll I'll take these lines, thank you very much. From where I stood, I could see a glimpse of Anthony's spirit, just one eye sticking out of his body, mere inches from her gaping maw. No, not. One. Stop. The bouquet of spirits began to babble and argue like they were fighting some other unseen force for dominance. He is right there. Yes, right there.
1: Get it under control, Marcy snapped. We're too close to fail now. At this, the spirits began to rise up out of the beast's body, faces and hands pushing against the fabric of her coat. As they burst outwards, escaping the knotted tangle of it, I finally saw them. Unnatural, twisted things. Things that reached for me with elongated fingers. But as they stretched towards me, they began to wilt like flowers without water or sun.
0: It was then I realized they weren't stretching, They were being forced out. The hidden thing that was binding them together at the waist was hungry, and objected to their attempts to control it. I couldn't see it, but I now knew it was there. Behind that smiling mouth shone a sickening light, and when she parted her teeth, it radiated down on Anthony. I saw it begin to pull at him, wrenching his spirit up and out of his body. As it drew him closer, encased in that brilliant light, there was a moment where I could have sworn I saw something dart out, like the tongue of a frog or a disfigured arm. It was too fast to see, too fast to be sure. Where the tongue...
1: If it was a tongue...
0: Where it had struck him... A strip of his soul was gone. She began to hiss. I realized what was wrong. The taste hadn't been to her liking. Her meal wasn't agreeing with her, and that had enraged her. In her fury, the wilted petals of those stretching souls flattened into razor-sharp blades. Extensions of her hate. She began to tear into poor Anthony with them, shredding bits of his spirit, flitting around the room like scraps of a newspaper.
1: Marcy shouted, shrieking at her beast, demanding it stop this pointless behavior. As a scrap of what used to be Anthony's soul fluttered by my foot, I realized both Marcy and her monster's focus were no longer on me. I bolted for the stairs and was making my way up them when I heard Marcy realize her mistake. He's getting away. Go after him. Now!
0: I knew that thing was following me. I was almost through the door when I felt the stair behind me begin to shake under the force of her thunderous steps. I didn't have time to look back. If I had, I might have lost the precious moments I needed to slam and lock the door behind me. There was a moment where I was almost relieved. Then she hit the door hard enough to make it shudder in its very frame. Her soul passed through it, grabbing at me with spectral hands. One clutched my shoulder, in an icy grip, not quite getting purchased before I pulled away. Thinking quickly, I dragged one of the heavy steel butcher tables in front of the door, before sprinting out into the alley behind the building. I ran from the butcher shop as fast as I could, feet pounding against the paved streets and alleys until I reached the church. Dawn was breaking over the horizon as I staggered into my basement room, barely managing to peel off my uniform before collapsing into a chair.
1: I'd never seen anything like that. I'd hoped that seeing the dead would be the worst thing my eye would show me. Once the pounding in my ears had finally subsided, I heard the voice it had been drowning out. Are you all right, son? <laughs> oh,
0: that's your old priest voice?
1: And what's wrong with it?
0: Oh, nothing. It's perfectly fit for this story.
1: Ah, uh, well... Okay. I whipped my head up in surprise to see Father Patrick looking at me. I must have looked as scared as I felt for him to break away from his prayers.
0: No, I replied as I relaxed, letting my head loll back against the headrest. I saw something terrible.
1: This city is full of violence, Martin. You've put yourself in the middle of it. What did you expect it to show you but the faces of misery and greed?
0: I didn't expect to see a demon, I replied bluntly.
1: Ah, it must have been quite a gruesome scene for you to use such a wicked term, he said with an air of righteous superiority.
0: No, a literal demon. I said bluntly, and the room fell silent. I looked over to see Father Patrick looking at me, eyes wide with fear.
1: A true demon? Merciful Father. What are you going to do? Father Patrick asked, lifting his fingers to his chin as he stood in quiet contemplation.
0: I have a few ideas. Right now I'll have to wait. The sun's coming up, and I'll have to get to work soon. Listen, Father. I know you want to have your pity party down here. But I need help. They know who I am. I need you to watch the church. If you see either a tall, thin spirit with auburn hair, or a living woman with gray hair in a trench coat, tell me. I'll leave my earplug out so I can hear you." Father Patrick seemed to take all this in, contemplating it carefully.
1: "'It seems God did have a plan for me,' Father Patrick said with a nervous smile. There are wolves out there. We must protect our flock.
0: It was Father Flattery who ended up waking me.
1: What are you doing down here, instilling your unmentionables? Ward, we have a funeral service in ten minutes. I've been looking for you for over an hour. Better?
0: Maybe we can find a production of King Lear for you after this. Oh, um... I stammered, still groggy. I woke up early to work on organizing the basement. Must have tired myself out.
1: In your undergarments? I've never... Well, we'll speak on that later. There is no time for that now. Get your robes on and hurry upstairs. Some of the mourners are already here, and as my successor, they will expect to see you present," he said sharply, before tottering briskly away.
0: Scrambling to get dressed, I hustled upstairs to see the mourners Father Flatterly had mentioned. Just fifteen people. A pitiful turnout for a funeral, considering her dedication to the church. Just the family and a few close friends. The proverbial guest of honor, she for whom the bell tolled, was Mrs. Agatha Green, an older member of the church choir. Most of her friends had passed before her, so the numbers weren't surprising, but I would have expected the surviving choir members at the least to have attended. As I approached the front pew, I began to wish I could have kept my ear plug in. I could hear the late Mrs. Green much more clearly than I would have liked.
1: Why can't you see me? I'm right here. Is this a joke? Ethel, sweetie, look at me. I'm not dead. I'm not. She was lost and scared. They always were. Don't put me in the ground. I'm not dead.
0: I approached the family with a solemn nod and then gave my condolences far too loudly as I compensated for a wailing they couldn't hear. They gave me wide-eyed looks of shock as I delivered my... "'I'm sorry for your loss!' at a volume that was almost a yell. One of Mrs. Green's son-in-laws let out a sound that may have been a stifled bark of surprised laughter. They didn't reply, but after exchanging bewildered glances and a couple of nervous titters, returned my nod. The service went on like that, father flatterly speaking kind, soft words of Mrs. Green. Mrs. Green herself, pleading, unheard by the congregation.
1: Just as Father Flattery called the assembled to rise for the closing prayer, I heard her. Marcy. My, what a lovely service. She sighed, too close behind me. If she'd still had them, I would have felt her lips on my ear. I wonder who will be next. Will they still be here in thirty minutes when my friend shows up? My heart sank. She was just going to bring that thing out in public, in the middle of the day? "'You! You can see me! Please help me!' I heard Mrs. Green plead as she approached. "'I'm busy, dear. Run along,' Marcy told her coolly. "'I just don't know what's going on. I don't know why they aren't listening to me. Help me explain it to them, please. I'm okay. I'm all right. I just don't know how to get back in!' Mrs. Green tried to explain, frantic and scared. If you could just... Did did you want to take a line?
0: Huh? Oh, right, sorry. You were just, uh, you know, uh, sort of hitting your stride there. Didn't want to interrupt you. It was, uh, decent. <clears throat> Before she could finish, those words rang out. They stung my ears. Cutting into my mind, and cutting Mrs. Green's words short. They weren't the same, but they were similar to the ones I had heard Marcy speak when Jean, Barney, and Danny had disappeared the night before. But these words were quick, less like a slice and more like a jab. Instead of fading away, it was like a cord had gone suddenly taut before snapping. Mrs. Green was simply gone.
1: The freshly dead are so annoying, Marcy remarked, matter of fact. Some spirits just need to be taught how the afterlife works. Maybe if she reforms she will remember her manners. Unlike you, Mr. Ward, you have a lot of nerve running out on us, making me handle this the hard way. Just so you know, every death from now on will be your fault.
0: I waited careful not to create a scene. But as soon as the final amen left flatterly's lips, I spun on my heels and addressed the attendees with a firm Thank you for sharing your faith and remembrance with us. We regret the need to force you out, but we have another funeral in thirty minutes. If you would oblige us by proceeding to the cemetery, we will have the casket transported and be with you for the internment at twelve thirty, as was described. Go in peace, my children. I was met with Understandable shock, weeping faces went slack with confusion, before resolving into indignant scowls. A rebellious murmur began to spread through the gathered mourners.
1: I heard Flatterly clatter down the stairs from the chancel with heavy, hasty steps. Ah, ignore him! I'm afraid Father Ward has got his days mixed up. A word, Ward the old man said, smile forced and furious as he grasped my shoulder with a bony hand, pulling my good ear level with his mouth. "'What are you doing? The Greens have the chapel reserved until noon!' he hissed. I searched for an excuse but came up blank. In my ear, I heard Marcy mocking me. "'Yes, Martin. Why don't they stay? It seems your colleague wasn't to my friend's liking, but I'm sure someone here will be.' her tone dripped with self-satisfaction. I began to panic, the image of Anthony's twisted soul rising in my mind. I couldn't stand the thought of that happening to someone else.
0: Would you shut up, I said in a forced whisper to Flatterly. I'm so sick of you and your holier than thou patronizing bullshit. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of all the endless belly aching and complaining from the parishioners, and I'm sick of hearing these people whine and cry over some old bag whose time was up. I want them out of here, because I want some damned peace.
1: Flatterly stepped back, appalled. Behind me, Marcy laughed with wicked delight. <laughs> oh my, Mr. Ward, how cruel. This is... "'This is unacceptable, Ward,' flatterly replied in that same hushed tone. "'I'll admit you've been in quite a lot of trouble since you first showed up, "'but I had thought you at least had a good heart. "'I had thought, with time and dedication, "'you would prove yourself worthy of this position. "'I know your faith was tested in the war, but this? "'This is too far. "'Your behavior towards me is one thing. "'To behave in this manner towards the faithful of this parish is another entirely.' And even to those in mourning, ward. Bishop Edwards will have to hear about this.
0: He attempted to push past me, but his eighty year old frame just bumped into and rolled past me as he apologized to the assembled mourners, ushering out the Green family with murmured words of comfort and a single backward glance of absolute reproach. Once they'd passed the threshold, I pulled off my bandage. As expected, Marcy stood in front of me, sneering.
1: How does it feel, she asked, tone accusatory, to have your life turned upside down? I hope it feels just like what you and your platoon did to us back in France. We spent our lives preparing for that night, a -a once-in-a-lifetime chance to create something that would expand the horizons of our work indefinitely, the perfect medium between us and the other side. "'But you had to interrupt us. You had to get involved and ruin it. "'Just three little words were missing.' "'She emphasized her statement by pointing at where my scars lay beneath the bandages before continuing, "'voice rising in a zealous fervor. "'Now it's your time to rectify what you've done. "'We'll study what has happened to you, and we will discover the path to perfecting our creation, "'recreating it anew, if we must.'
0: You've done all this just to expand your research, I asked, astonished. Ended your own life? Killed those men in that basement? Created this ruse with your husband? With the sigil? Why? Why don't you just ask for my help in whatever this is?
1: I don't want your help. I want my life's work back. You stole my moment of triumph from me dashed it on the rocks and left me with nothing but a broken, perverted shadow of what I should have achieved. I don't want your help. I want you to suffer. I want you to feel what you've done to me. She stared through me, spitting each word like venom.
0: Before I could reply, I saw Father Flatterly coming back down the center aisle. I pulled my bandage down and turned towards him. I'm sorry, I had to, I began. "'But he cut me off.'
1: "'I'm eighty years old, Ward. "'I've spent most of those years at work in the church. "'It is no exaggeration to say you are by far "'the worst priest I have ever had the misfortune to work with. "'Where is your faith, your dedication to your flock?' "'Before I could even begin to formulate an answer, "'he shook his head and continued. "'It pains me to have to find myself in this position, "'but, as I said, I will be contacting Bishop Edwards about your behavior.' Not just about today, about everything I have been gracious enough to overlook. At my request, you will be removed from your post, and unless His Excellency chooses to be lenient, I suspect you may also be defrocked. It may be ungodly of me to say so, but after your disgraceful behavior towards Agatha's friends and children, I believe you deserve no less. These women lost their mother, Ward. Is there not an ounce of compassion in your soul?
0: By the time he'd finished, his face had turned bright red with indignation. I hardly noticed. I wasn't looking at him. Because behind him, standing in the doorway, there it was. The grey-haired woman, the thing, still wearing that same trench coat and staring back at me with those same unblinking eyes. In the light of the church... Her skin looked dusty, almost dirty, uncared for, as though she were merely some poor vagrant seeking solace and charity from the church.
1: Father Flatterly followed my gaze and saw her. Go to your quarters. I would advise you to repent, but if you will not, I hope you will at least have the decency to pray. We'll finish this conversation later, he murmured, before turning to approach the woman in the doorway. My child... I see you have fallen on hard times in this cruel world. Please, allow me to direct you to a place of shelter where you may find warmth and sustenance. Marcy began to whisper in my ear. I wonder what shapes she will twist your little priest friend into. How long will he squirm in agony when his body doesn't fit right anymore?
0: Father Flatterly, still unaware, began his slow, methodical way down the aisle closer to the beast into her deadly unseen arms I couldn't tell how eagerly her tendrils reached out for him with my dead eye covered couldn't see how much closer to his doom he drew with every single shaky infirm step I couldn't just stand by and let him get himself killed as much as I found myself wishing he'd break a hip he didn't deserve this I rushed to him "'spinning him toward me and hissed. "'Listen, I don't need you telling me how to be a priest. "'Go to the back. Make your damned phone call. "'I'll deal with her.'
1: "'How dare you!' he began, his face darkening with rage. "'Go!'
0: I snarled, my voice echoing through the church. "'I think in that moment he felt my urgency, heard.' the fear I had for him in my voice. At least for a moment, I saw in his eyes that he knew something was wrong, and then he turned away from me and fled towards the back of the church, fearful and furious. I faced her, this grey and tattered woman, pulling up my bandages once more to view her fully those awful, twisted souls were reaching for me, outstretched and visible, all grasping hands and hungry mouths.
1: "'Ah, what to do, what to do?' Marcy taunted. "'There's no one here to distract her now. Just you, Martin.' "'Then I suppose you'll need a distraction, won't you?' A voice cried out from behind me. I turned to see Father Patrick— No longer as old and withered as I'd always seen him, his spirit focused now, and vibrant with a full head of red hair. I saw him lunge for Marcy, their forms losing focus as their energies intertwined. They flickered and mingled like layers on a photograph, two parts to an unintended double exposure.
0: It was hard to tell if either had the upper hand through the haze of their conflict, but I didn't have time to stop and wonder. I heard her drawing closer. "'Speeding towards me on long, striding legs "'as the soul blossom within her grasp for me. "'I stumbled back into the pews, "'falling between the benches, "'and tried to scramble backwards in a way. "'She mounted the seat of the pew and began to walk on it, "'hunched over me like an animal, "'her head brought impossibly low "'to bring her spiritual limbs closer. "'I panicked as they swiped at me, "'grasping at anything.' Throwing hymnals and bibles Only to watch them bounce ineffectually off her face Her chest, her shoulders Her only response was to stare back Expression unchanging Unblinking eyes A wide open mouth smile And continue her approach Her hands, I noticed, were still in her pockets even now As I shuffled out of the narrow space between the pews I barely had time to get my feet "'before she was almost upon me. "'I grabbed a hanging banner "'and ripping it down from the wall "'threw it over her. "'It didn't seem to slow her down much. "'It didn't need to. "'I knew how quickly that fabric could catch fire "'when left too close to a burning taper. "'I pulled my matchbook from my pocket. "'Go to hell!' "'I quit, striking a match "'and flicking it into the folds that shrouded her. "'It went up like flash paper.' Smoldering for only a moment before catching and racing across the embroidery. The form beneath it finally ceased its advance on me as it tried to shake off the burning banner, rolling strange shoulders and twisting its head back and forth. Even without being able to see her clearly, I could tell she still refused to pull her hands from her pockets. Put us out. Quickly.
1: Get it off. Run for it. We are burning. Burning! Burning! A chorus of voices pleaded, the souls whipping and thrashing too fast for my eye to follow. With her distracted, I saw my chance. While the tapers remained unlit for obvious reasons, the candle stands they stood on, nearly as tall as I was, remained. I grabbed one, hefting its weighted base over my head and bringing it down on her with a sickening crunch. The force of my blow drove her to the floor where she lay unmoving. Her spirit still thrashed around her, wailing and reaching, and I just watched her burn. Um, Chester, uh, I have to ask are they all this macabre?
0: Oh, most of them, yes. I will say this one, for its many, many flaws, does have a dark streak few others do. Why is it. Too jarring.
1: (laughs) Actually, dear Chester, it's... Chilling. Get it? Get it? Like, chilling suspense?
0: I'm dead, and this is hell. Anyway. A noise brought my attention elsewhere, to where I'd left Father Patrick and Marcy. They had separated now each of them flickering, trying to focus again after too much spiritual interference. Marcy looked furious. She suddenly gained focus, faster than I'd ever seen in a spirit. She was beyond simply lifelike, her edges too sharp, her colors too vibrant. With a harsh and sudden exhale, she delivered her word. Unlike the other long phrases or sentences she wove, this one was sudden and brief, like the finishing stroke of a knife. It stabbed into Father Patrick. It wasn't a slow fade or even a sudden disappearance. He was obliterated. I saw his spirit torn apart, shredded, before my eyes with a shriek. I hadn't known ghosts could feel pain. I knew the sound of suffering too well to believe that cry could mean anything else.
1: But he was so nice.
0: Margo, focus. It's your line.
1: Oh, sorry. Marcy turned to me then, her triumphant smile faltering as she saw her beast burning. What have you done? done! Get up!" she howled, enraged. The beast rose to its feet, peering out at me from beneath the smoking banner, and took her hands from her pockets. They were deformed, scarred, dirty, broken with gnarled nails and missing fingers, lopsided knuckles under layers of scarred and char-blackened skin. She gripped the flaming fabric and whipped it into the pews. Her hair had burned away, her coat blackened and charred, and her face was still bubbling from the intensity of the flames.
0: But her wide, unblinking eyes still stared into me. She teetered for a moment, clearly weakened by the flames. Hungry? We must feed the vessel. We must heal it. We must find a good soul. A strong soul. Thinking quickly, I turned and looked to Marcy. There's one right there, I said, already unwrapped and ready to serve. It turned to her. At first, she looked confident in her safety. But when the glow began to rise from the beast's stomach, I saw her confidence falter. Run!
1: The wavering chorus warned her. It
0: is coming.
1: Marcy turned to run, her face now a mask of fear. This isn't over, she declared. By the end of today, you will be ours. She ran through the side wall, pursued by her beast. Running on all fours, it leapt through the stained glass window with a crash. In the silence that followed, I could hear the sounds of car horns and screaming on the street as it began its hunt.
0: As the adrenaline faded, exhaustion hit me. I sat down hard in the pew, the embers from the burnt banner leaving the seat next to me scarred black and sooty. My mind was racing. In a matter of days, my world had been almost completely shattered. My career was destroyed. I was being hunted. Father Patrick was gone. I supposed it was time I moved on. Lifting myself up with a groan, I made my way to the basement, throwing open my trunk and stuffing its contents into my rucksack. I packed quickly. There was no time for nostalgia. Not like I had much to be nostalgic about. Just memories of the battles I fought, and the people I had tried to help. But those weren't things I needed to take with me. I carried enough scars to remind me of them. But before I left town, I had one last stop. Kane Road Cemetery. And that's where we'll leave our hero for today boldly marching into death's domain to face off against his unnatural foe sadly i'm afraid the next installment seems to have been lost around the office i blame my bumbling assistant iris for this whole fiasco but i promise next week we'll bring a tale that
1: wait isn't this the next chapter right here
0: ah <laughs> uh, uh, no margo i think you're mistaken N-
1: no i read through the script beforehand this is definitely the next chapter right here and let me tell all you listeners, it's a doozy. I guarantee you'll love it. You'll just have to come back for more.
0: Of course. Well, let's all give a very warm thank you for our special guest, Margot McMillan, for her uh,
1: co host, Margot McMillan, actually.
0: I beg your pardon.
1: I thought the manager told you that this was going to be the new format until further notice.
0: Excuse me? I have to go speak to the manager.
1: From both Chester and myself, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Chilling Suspense. We hope you're enjoying the adventures of the Great Ghost as much as we are. I've been Margot McMillan, reminding you that shadows don't only lurk in the night. Who wrote that? Good Anyways... I've been Margot McMillan, reminding you that, um, reminding you that for all that the world is a cruel place, every now and then, you'll have the opportunity to set fire to your own demons. Good night, and take care.